I want to look at Romans chapter 5 today, or a portion of it. Um, bumped into it through the readings and just saw some things I'd like to go after. It says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That justified isn't a term that we use very much, is it? And we associate it with religious stuff. But again, if, it, if it's only a religious term, I find it kind of empty. Um, but the idea is to be made right. And if, if you're told you, you are asked argument or your reason for doing this, you, you are asked to be saying, why did you walk through this process or what guided your thinking what structure did you put on this so that this was a good decision? So in some ways, when we, we talk about being justified in the Lord, we're saying we've been put into a right place by the faith that we exert. And again, when he's going to walk through this passage and he's going to say, all of us have had sin as a part of our lives, and so none of us has the position to just step into peace with God or we, don't, we can't jump high enough, so to speak, or we can't do enough. But this faith that we exert in embracing what Christ has done, what God has sent through His Son, that faith is sufficient to bring us into peace with God. And again, peace is another one of those hard-to-define words, but we know when we've got it, Right? I mean, it's like when you, when you say, I'm not struggling with anxiety over this situation. I have peace. I'm not feeling guilty over what I've done. I have peace. You know, you, you can sometimes define it by even what it, what it isn't because you've wrestled with those things. But to have that calm that says, this is going to work out or this is, this is okay. It's a really big deal, isn't it? I mean, all of us crave peace. He says we find that with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in other words, how do I find peace with God? How do I know that things are okay? How do I know that I'm not guilty? How do I know that things are going to be okay? Well, through Christ, that's the hope that I have. We also have obtained access by faith into His grace which we stand, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Again, another kind of phrasing that you're looking at going, I'm not sure what's going on here. This hope in the glory of God. <laughs> Your clock was off, wasn't it? <laughs> I've been waiting to do that all morning. <laughs> I have been guilty myself before. It was a beautiful Sunday, though. <laughs> Got up early, went out with my wife, had breakfast, showed up at church an hour late. <laughs> Been a while. No, no, I <laughs> that, that's good. That's good. We have this anticipation, and it's described as glory because everything about it is wondrous. 
We have this anticipation of being united with God one day and being in his presence. And everything about it is outstanding. And so it says we have this hope in the glory of God. We have this anticipation of what will be. I want to tie in a thread from uh, the readings out of Deuteronomy. And, and this, um, I hit a random thing this week on, um, anybody see these Prager U things, that, the teachings that they do? And it, it shows up on Facebook now and then for me. And maybe because I've watched them before, I don't know. I, I really don't care. I don't normally even look at them, but... This caught my attention because it was connected to this idea of Sabbath, and I'd just been reading about it. And it, it, it stirred my thinking because there is an idea out of Hebrews that we haven't yet entered into the full Sabbath rest that's anticipated. There is a picture of eternity spent with God as being a Sabbath rest, that it is a place of where you can let go of your work, let go of all this push, and you're in the presence of God and, and nothing else really matters. And the, the Sabbath, practicing Sabbath or Sunday, however you do that, in some ways is a declaration of faith of what is to come. It's a, it's a stepping back long enough to say, I anticipate being with God forever. In the Old Testament, they were told, you're to participate in this because you're no longer slaves. Slaves didn't have the option of whether to work or to take a day off. They had to work every day. And so when they were brought out into the wilderness and the Sabbath is established, he's saying, you are no longer slaves. You're a free people. When Jesus calls us friends and not servants, it's that same kind of idea. And so in some ways, when we celebrate and take this day off and actually back off some, in some ways we're saying, I'm not slave to the things around me. My job doesn't have that authority over me. My push for financial security doesn't have that authority over me. My, my drive to have others see that I do things well has not the power over me. I'm taking a day off. I'm backing up. I am finding rest for my soul. One of the things I worry about in this particular day and age is the amount of activity that everybody gets caught up in and the inability to even sit down and be quiet for a few minutes. And I'm not sure even how to go about it because I haven't fully figured it out myself. You know, if, if <laughs> that phone becomes a real issue, doesn't it? I mean, I... I'm not going to ask you how many of you can get through a service without looking at something besides Scripture, but we wrestle everywhere we go with trying to keep up, trying to stay attached, trying to, you know, our, our interests start running everywhere because we can see 
things that, that intrigue us. But again, it's like, is it, is it worthwhile or not? You know, um, I mean, how often do you get on a site of fails and you just go to the next one and the next one and the next one and you go, is that really needful at all? Well, no, but it sure is entertaining. And I'm glad it wasn't me, you know. But that said, this Sabbath idea that was conveyed in Scripture was not only did God rest, and so we enter into something that He's done, or that we're set free as slaves because we are free in Him, but there's, a, there's this recognition that I need something that goes beyond body and mind. I need a rest even for my soul. And it is ultimately fulfilled when I am in the presence of God. And eternity will have, in a measure, rest. And so in some ways, my declaration of belief even now, part of the practice of my faith in some ways, is backing off and taking a moment of rest for my soul. However you do that. And I can't, I can't describe to you what it, that's going to look like in your life exactly, but to just say, I'm not going to let all these voices around me or all these driving things that are pushing on me control me. I am going to trust God in this moment that He's going to hold things together long enough for me to take a day off that is a beautiful thought. Even as students, you know, to be able to say, I'm going to rest in the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to trust Him that He's going to provide what I need. It's, it's, it's insidious how it creeps into our lives, isn't it? And it's hard to back off at all. And yet, to actually just, you know, when you, when you step back, and you're going, I don't even know how to do this. But you start applying yourself because you know that it works and it's right. And then over time, it's like, this really is beautiful. Maybe my family will get to know me again. Maybe, you know... <laughs> Maybe I won't be so consumed by trying to accomplish this or attain this or grab that. But just to, to back up a little bit. So that hope of the glory of God also in a measure is lived out in faith even how we live this life in moments of rest. Let's go on. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance character, and character hope. I, uh, you know, if anything, over the last week, I've been thinking about this congregation is beginning to wrestle with its mortality in some ways that we haven't for a number of years, right? I mean, we've, we've been walking through this struggle with Bill and the cancer for several years already. Now we have Emily with cancer as well. And then when Ryan, this comes out of the blue and you're just going, Lord, we really are mortal. We can be doing a lot of things right, whether it be 
diet and exercise and rest and all, you know, we can do all these things, but we don't have control over it all, do we? And we're forced to look at it, and yet there is this confident hope in the Lord and trust in Him that says He still has authority over these things. Paul's looking at his struggles and going, it still has a measure of good even in the struggle, which is an amazing thing to cling to, right? How do you, how do you live in peace except that you embrace this kind of thing that even in my struggles, God is glorified and will bring good into these events? I look at this progression of, of rejoicing and suffering and struggle and perseverance and such, similar to when, when you went out for a sport and the coach is telling you, I want you to do this, and you're looking at them a little bit like, you're nuts. The body wasn't meant to do that. And then you get through it and you're going, well, maybe he knew what he was talking about. And the next time around, it isn't quite so offensive. You're just going, I'm gaining ground here. And there's a perseverance that starts to develop, and you're going, I'm going to do this. And out of that kind of comes this character that just says, I, I'm gaining, and I have a better chance of winning out of this. And this hope builds even in that moment. Well, it's the same way when you take on a job in the first few days, you just or weeks, you can be completely overwhelmed trying to meet everybody that's connected, trying to figure out the paperwork, trying to figure out exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And, and yet there's this sense of, I will persevere in this. And after a while, it's like, I can do this. And then I said, well, this is a good place to be. That transition, so to speak, in struggle. Paul's looking at it and saying, we have these struggles. And, and you know, we're not trying to deny it. We're try not trying to ignore it. We do try to escape them, but we... We still have to look at it and say, even in this, God is good. Even in this, God has authority over these events. Even in this, God will make a way. And as we grow to trust Him in these things, there is a development of perseverance and character and hope. Recognizing, yeah, I've been through this before. He was faithful then, He'll be faithful now. We've walked down this path before. And even when it's, and there's an intensity that's new, you're kind of going, I still believe in who he is. He's a good coach or a good boss. He doesn't ask beyond what can be done. In fact, his intent is to develop the best out of this. Hope does not put us to shame. You know, we're not going to trust them and have it fall apart because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So he says, when the Spirit comes on us, he, he pours the love of God into us. You know, most of us will say, you know, at some point in our relationship with him, there was, there's just this awesome awareness of the goodness of God and that his love truly has been poured into our lives. 
And there's a confidence that rises up and just says, I'm a part of something huge. I'm a part of something wondrous. And he's, you know, I didn't, I, I couldn't have bought this, but it's, it's way beyond the, the goodness that I anticipated. He goes on with his, his argument and declaration, so to speak, and he goes, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He says, before we ever got any kind of strength, before we were able to stand on our own, before we could pick ourselves up, God took care of the situation. I was looking at Isaiah 51, again, connected with the readings, and he says, you know, if you're familiar with it, uh, David is repenting for his sin. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. One of the things about Christianity is that we recognize good and evil in lives. You know, we, we recognize that people have evil about them or a, a great potential for good or evil. And we regularly make those choices that go either direction, right? You know, and in Christ, when His Spirit begins to speak to us, we begin to work our way out of some of the trash that we've been, that's been attached to us. But only by the power of God does it seem like we can even do that. But that said, we recognize that, you know, sin is, is the bad news first before the good news. We, we absolutely recognize that as a part of life. And he goes on, he says, Against you, you only have I sinned, and what is evil in your sight? And we go, what, what do you mean? Except that if God has declared the law, who are we in violation of when we sin? Now, it may hurt, and, and it may be against others, but ultimately, if he has said, love your neighbor as yourself, who are, who are we bringing offense against. We're violating the law of God. And so David said, I've sinned against you. Against you only have I sinned. But he goes on, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He said, my sin goes way back. You know, this most recent was pretty dynamic and pretty splashy. You know, it I mean, we're still talking about it. But he says, the truth was, I came from imperfect parents. So I was conceived by sinful people. And he says, it's been, iniquity's been a part of my life from the beginning. It always amazes me when I watch parents and they're going, oh, my child is so good. Who, who are you looking at? <laughs> you know, do you really think, you know, and then it's, do you think they know any better? Well, of course they do. They're pushing for their way. And they're throwing tantrums that very bit, long before they can talk. You know, that we need to look at it and say, that's who I am. And yet it's for us that Christ has died. So when we're saying, yeah, I'm a part of an imperfect people. My parents weren't perfect and neither am I. 
And just like, just like I took on some of their facial features and their body structure, I, I embraced some of their sinful patterns just as well. And yet Christ died for me. And he, he came to break those patterns. So wash me thoroughly. It's a good prayer. Romans, he goes on and he says, for one scarcely would die for a righteous person. Every now and then somebody would give their life for someone else. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he says, he went the extra mile beyond what people would normally do. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more that we are reconciled, so shall we be saved by his life. And so he's going, you know what, he, he, he died for us, but even this life that he now has is a part of our hope as well. And so when we, when we kind of look into that eternal perspective and say, I have this hope in eternity, I have this hope of being with him in heaven, I have this hope of living forever with him because he's living now. And it should temper everything that we do and all of our thinking because it is so huge. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received reconciliation. He says, sin separated us, just as we noted even in the Garden of Eden, that... uh, You know, (laughs) perfect setting, perfect situation. People that knew God, had relationship with Him, still made a very dumb choice. And it affected everyone from then on. You know, and I want to say that our own sin has similar impact. We're just unwilling to acknowledge it. And we can get up tight with Adam and Eve and say, if you wouldn't have messed up, this could have still been going on. Well, no, we'd have taken care of that ourselves. And the fact is, our sin has ripples that continue to go out. It was interesting that you mentioned 500 years for this later event. That's a good insight. I hadn't seen that before. But that, you know, that challenges our hearts and say, I want to have God cleanse me entirely and I want to stop these sinful patterns in Him and I truly do want peace with the Father. And that has all been availed through the person of Jesus Christ. What a wondrous, wondrous blessing and hope that that is. Praise to God. Thank you, Lord, for your scripture that speaks life to us. Thank you that you wash away our sin. Let faith arise in our hearts even now that would accept 
this glorious gift that you've given and say that even for my sin, as hideous as it is, you wash that away, even in this moment. And then, Lord, we cling to that hope and expectation of a new day, a new Sabbath rest, so to speak, a day when we're united with you in all is glorious. For that, we thank you. Amen. Let's walk through some application real quick. It, uh, it might be that you have been looking at the sin of your life and going, would God even want me or care? Or, you know, would he accept me? And what the scripture reads is very clear. He made provision long before you were ever born. And, and so it's time to embrace that by faith and accept that he forgives and brings you into peace with God. Secondly, you know, I mentioned the Sabbath idea that it was actually designed with that opportunity of saying, I'm not a slave. Not a slave to time. And I have an opportunity to practice that and even practice my future. And so if God has been challenging you in that way, then I pray that he'll give you the faith to do that, to back off enough to allow the restoration of soul, so to speak. It might be that you're walking through struggle and you're going... I don't know, then I encourage you to place your hope in the good coach, so to speak, in the, the good boss that sees the big picture and will not misuse you, but will bring you into the fullness of what he does, sees your potential to be, so that you would walk through persevering, developing character, and hope would be strong. Lord, we ask that for each one here. Whatever situation this would apply to our lives, we ask that you would cause us to take that step of faith that says, I embrace this and I will walk in it in you, trusting you in all things. Now, Lord, I ask your blessing on, on these, your people, that they would know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. They would discover with joy that hope worthy of you and a glorious future is in store ask as we go into the community that you'll give us words of life to speak to others I ask that you'll enable us to carry out the workings of your kingdom I ask that we would be gifted with the supernatural be lifted up and exalted our Lord we pray we love you this day